Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to this In Isolation episode of Shameless with the vibrant Mitchell Orville. You'll likely know Mitch as the co-creator of the Angry Dad YouTube series and for the popular content he now creates with his partner Chloe Zepp on social media. In this chat, Mitch candidly discusses his troubled relationship with drugs and alcohol and how he freed himself, as well as why he's just buzzing to become a father very soon. Just a trigger warning before we dive into this episode as well, this chat does detail the experience of of a miscarriage and maybe upsetting to some listeners. Here's Mitch. Mitch Orville, welcome to In Isolation with Shameless. We are so happy to have you. Hey guys, thanks for having me. You might not have seen this, Mitch. When we announced, or I think you announced on your Instagram story that you were coming on this podcast and a screenshot of that was put into our Facebook group and people fucking lost their minds. Like that is not an exaggeration. I've got like 2,000 likes, hundreds what? and hundreds of comments from women saying, I cannot wait for this episode. You were like the most hotly anticipated guest on this show that we've had all year. So welcome. Oh my gosh. This is an honor now. I didn't know that. This <laughs> <laughs> huge pressure is on. No, I'm kidding. Hey, I was about to say, that's one way to pump up my tyres before I come on. (laughs) It's it's actually the best way to make someone comfortable, make them feel like the best person in the world and then launch in. We are starting every episode in the same way, which is to ask, where are you right now? Because we're all recording this remotely. We want to know your setup. Where are you? I am in my makeshift office at home with, yeah, so me and my partner live in the Gold Coast. Her name's Chloe. If you don't know, yeah, so that's my partner, Chloe, and we moved up to Gold Coast about four months ago, just before isolation began. And yeah, so we decided to make a little office up here to ensure that we're still doing work and things like that. So yeah, I'm just chilling from the desk in Gold Coast. How are you finding the Gold Coast? I imagine the weather there is a lot more cheerful and happy than the weather in Melbourne. Has it been a good move for you guys with everything going on? To be honest, I've always said like my whole life I would never live outside of Melbourne. I was a very Melbourne boy. I was what I knew and I was just, I was comfortable, you know what I mean? And when you're comfortable, you don't really look for change. So when I made the move, I was very unsure about it. And I could honestly say within four months of living here, I will never move back. Really? Explain to the listeners, what is it about the Gold Coast that just kind of fills your cup? Honestly, if you're going to get me talking about this, I'm going to go on a tangent because I feel like a travel agent up here when I'm advocating it. But <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's it's a hidden gem. The weather is unbelievable. I mean, it's sunny all day, every day, but then at nighttime it gets cool. 
So you get the nice cool nights and then the summer, like sunny days, it's like affordable. It's everything's 20 minutes or less away. And the culture here is unbelievable. Everybody is so friendly. Like you, I find myself having conversations with like retail staff, everything. Everybody wants to chat and just is so relaxed and chilled. Like, I don't know, it's, it's a really strong connecting sort of place to live, I reckon. I'm going to say, I reckon half our shameless listeners will be very tempted to move to the Gold Coast now. I am, especially <laughs> it's so fucking cold in Melbourne at the moment, as I'm sure you're not surprised about. And the weather makes everyone miserable as well. Like I think the weather in Melbourne makes everyone that much more grouchy. And when it's summer, it's so true. Like that beach atmosphere is what makes people so excited to meet and chat to each other. You're making me want to move as well. (laughs) We begin every episode with the same question, which is what are you reading, watching or listening to at the moment that you'd recommend to other people? We're talking like Netflix shows or podcasts, whatever's on your mind. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. I'm a massive, massive movie lover. Like massive, like I'd watch, everyone's going to be like, where'd you get the time to do this? But I'd watch at least two movies a day. Whoa. Yeah. Like it's my, it's my one thing that I just, I I absolutely can't live without them. I I really enjoy movies. Wow. Wow. What kind of movie? Are you just kind of like any movie is your cup of tea or is there specific genres that you lean towards? Any movie. I can appreciate the worst movie ever and I'll still find something I love about it. Give us your best movie of all time. To be honest, I wouldn't not, like I, I can't that, that to anyone who loves film, that's an unanswerable question because it's too broad. But a movie that I watched recently, which I just absolutely loved, and I actually watched it twice back to back, was The Gentleman with Matt McConaughey. Ah, I, I haven't seen way, that. Oh my god. The way that it's told in like it's like a story that's told in chronological order of events, but the way that the movie's filmed through like the storytelling, it's really good. Really good. There you go. I am. My boyfriend has been pressuring me to watch that movie, so maybe I'll be next on it. But tell us also, I guess we start the same as we keep saying. We start with your recommendations. And then the next question we always want to know is what was your childhood like? What were you like as a kid? As a kid, I was, I was pretty extroverted, like always mucking around. I always had a fair few friends and I was always kicking about. I, I did used to kick about with the wrong sort of crowd a bit, I reckon. I was highly engaged. I wouldn't say... I was more so intrigued in the naughty kids. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, I had a really good family upbringing. My parents were awesome. I got along with them so amazing when I grew up. And I guess my thing was I never really wanted to get in trouble because I didn't want to disrespect them or do wrong by them. But at that time, like, I always was super interested in what the naughty kids were doing and what they could get away with. So I think I really flirted with both sides as much as I could. So I'd have really, like really well-behaved friends on one side that I'd kick about with every now and then and then I'd have like the really opposite side so I just tried to flirt within both boundaries as much as I could to be honest. Mitch you just said that you were an extroverted kid and I wonder was there any way that you kind of channeled that extroversion and that I guess boisterous side of yourself you're someone who lives a lot of your life online did you do that as a child like were you the kind of kid who loved jumping in front of a camera or kind of loved putting on a show for other people? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, and I wouldn't say that I loved the camera and jumping in, like putting on a show as such. But in high school, I studied, so I, I I was not a big fan of school. I didn't like it at all. I wasn't really good at it, and I didn't enjoy it. But I had two subjects that I loved, and I told my parents like I will try hard in them because I really enjoyed it. But the other subjects, like I just can't 
immerse myself because I'm literally not engaged and it's just it, it's just making me miserable. So those two subjects were media and drama. Mm. So it was basically recording and editing and then acting. So which essentially is what I do now to a degree. Like, you know, I film things and then I edit them and then I upload them and I'm pretty much to a degree acting on camera. So I think it was all purposeful. The Angry Dad series is what so, so many people listening will know you for and it kind of did catapult you guys to internet start and very quickly too. When did you guys realise that you were onto something pretty big? Oh, I remember the... You know, I remember seeing a few thousand likes on the page and I would be like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. But I think like when we started uploading videos and like I'd walk down the street and someone would say, fuck off, Mitchell. I was like, (laughs) what? Like, what is this? That sort of stuff is when I like it, it sort of got real because it's pretty having like virality or fame online is one thing, but once it translates to your real life and people start to recognize it and talk, like that's when it sort of gets real. Like I remember thinking like it almost felt like my dirty little secret sort of thing that I would upload these videos, do these pranks and upload it and then it just went online to all these people that would laugh at it and that was sort of the fun part. But then I guess as you said, like, you know, we went pretty viral pretty quickly and that certainly sped it all up. Did you like going viral or was it more daunting and more of a negative experience? Like it's a, it's a lot to put yourself online, to put yourself online to the masses though, like hundreds of thousands of people at once has positive and negative aspects to it. Do you feel positively about that kind of reach or was it more of a negative thing for you? Oh, we had a, we had a, like a quite positive audience. I mean, obviously with anything that goes on the line, you're going to get negativity. It's just inevitable so but I would say all in all we had a pretty supportive audience I mean sometimes we push boundaries where we shouldn't have and I guess we saw repercussions of that which was on us and stuff like that but all in all I mean the reason we could do what we did is because we had such a good relationship with our dad and that's what made it appropriate I'll never forget our first ever today show or sunrise interview you know, I remember we were like, you know, first time being on TV, you're going to be excited. We were watching the pre-roll for it and it was like, you could just see that they put us in such a negative connotation on this thing like these two kids from Australia who do this, all this stuff. And we're thinking, holy shit, is this going to be a positive or a negative interview? And then I know when we went live, we started answering questions and by the end of it, their attitude had completely changed towards us and they realized that, you know, it's we are two good kids. We have a great relationship with our parents and the reason that we can do that and get away with it is because, you know, we're very close-knit family. It's an interesting thing, I reckon, because because like I said, you you found fame, but it wasn't just you. Like it was your whole family that was sort of thrust into this strange internet and then public limelight. I wanted to ask you about your relationship with your family because I guess from the outset it looks like you're all incredibly close and, and share an incredible bond. What is it actually like? Our family is what you see is what you get. <laughs> like anything you see anything you probably anything you hear will be probably true like we are so close and we are there's no sort of there's no boundaries between us you know what I mean like we will talk about anything we will we have so much fun like it's not I wouldn't say it's as much like family where it's like you have that sort of pressure to not slip up or say the wrong thing or you know what I mean but by like it's like anyone's comfortable within our walls to be themselves and say whatever they want, like even with the video that I posted online, like, you know, I had to, like my grandma was going to see that, my mom, my sister, 
you know, like her aunties, uncles, and they all um, they all really much appreciated it and respected it. So sounds like a really beautiful dynamic you all have together. Mitch, you used that success with the Angry Dad series to launch what has been an incredibly successful career online creating content. You are massive on YouTube, you're massive on Instagram. And I want to know what do you love about your job? What fulfills you in day-to-day work? This is another awesome question because it wasn't till maybe even a few weeks ago where I had the realization that I'm now living a fulfilled life where I'm once upon a time I was creating prank videos to go viral and as fun as it was it wasn't me being an authentic person whereas now I can pick up a camera and be exactly who I am and people love it and it's I don't know there's something special about being able to be yourself and be like appreciated for it online I feel like every day I'm living now as myself instead of you know trying to come up with prank ideas or trying to film this film that to get a reaction here it's like I just have to be me and keep being positive and you know trying to like being a role model almost now is like the best feeling ever because it's like you don't just have people watching you you have people looking up to you and like to me that's so powerful and that's that's all I've ever wanted to really do and I'm doing it the exact way that (laughs) I've wanted to do it as well by, you know, being an online presence and filming and recording and, you know, using all my passions and tying them into one. And the end result gets to be my lifestyle. And it also gets to be that I get to inspire and help other people. I'm interested in what it's like being young, being well-known and becoming kind of financially independent when you're like not even an adult. How do you think that changes a person? Does it? I I was the worst person probably alive with my finances up until about a year ago and that was heavily to do with the drugs and the alcohol and just the ego lifestyle too I mean I lived through my ego pretty much 24 7 that's you know it was fake it till you make it I'd spend what I didn't have I would you know I just wanted to be that guy online that I thought you know that's funny how your mind changes because it's like I thought everyone wanted to be that person but it turns out it's like that's everyone doesn't want to be that person so with my finances it wasn't I got an accountant about nine months ago and he he was new in influencer marketing and stuff like that and we just stayed so close together and he controls everything so any money that goes in and out and all my taxes I had three years of tax and and bass and gst that i hadn't paid for three years so Whoa. i was playing i was playing i was playing catch up there for a while so like getting all that in order was something that i just ignored and i knew it was a burden to me i would go to bed and i'd think about it and i'd just pretend it didn't exist but i knew it existed so being on top of your finances like i know my parents used to drill it into me and i just used to just think like you know, like the ATO, they're not going to put you in jail. They're not going to fine you. They, you know, they won't even know about it. Like all that sort of stuff that I just was naive to try and ignore. It caught up on me and it made me real. It did ruin my like my sleeping and everything like that. So I don't know. Now being obviously on my own business, on my own person, I control everything that comes in and out. Having an accountant that overwatches it all has been like a life-changing thing for me and it's kept me super accountable. It must be why they're called accountants. (laughs) (laughs) Mitch, I'm interested. Does part of you wish then that all of this fame and success had come when you were a little bit older? Like I think most people, if they were given 
all of this success at like a teenage level would have done very similar things to you. Does part of you kind of wish this had come along down the line or are you just so grateful that you've been able to grow to this point where you are today? I I honestly wouldn't change one thing because I think I grew five to ten years older mentally in two years because of it all. It it really fast-tracked my growth and it's the same for my partner, Chloe. Like she's 21 and I'm 23, but, you know, we'll go hang out with people and people think we're 30-year-olds. But it's because yeah, when you're constantly being judged by so many different people all the time, you've got to you've got to adapt and you've got to adapt quickly. Do you think that in all of the hype, it's very easy to lose yourself? Did you find that you did lose yourself in those kind of early years? Big time. Like I lost, I reckon I lost myself for years over those periods because it's really hard to sort of like to put it into to words. But I mean, you go from finishing high school to doing filming a few random videos that you know are sort of funny to then getting this following to then being invited everywhere offered free drinks everywhere you go offered drugs offered all this different stuff you've got people that start hanging out with you not because of who you like not because of your personality but because of who you are it just becomes like this catapult that just pushes you up and up and up and you just get sucked into this lifestyle of just ego and fake people fake everything and like it just sucks you away and you like it's not until you step away from it that you realize that you're even in it I'd love to talk to you about that kind of like black hole that you're talking about that people so easily get sucked up into. We've alluded to your video that you published a couple of weeks ago throughout the episode, but let's talk explicitly about it now. A couple of weeks ago, you jumped onto YouTube, you did a piece to camera that went for about 15 minutes where you very honestly and candidly and emotionally discussed your history with alcohol and drugs. And that video has gone absolutely wild in the best way possible and that hundreds of thousands of people have now watched it. I want to talk to you first of all about this one particular quote. I couldn't have a few drinks without ruining my life. Can you take us back to that moment? What did you mean when you said I couldn't have a few drinks without ruining my life? At the start, you would drink you drink to have fun. That was the reason that I would drink and I thought, you know, it's fun have drinks, get smashed, hang out. There becomes a point where I stopped drinking to have fun and I started drinking to just have an excuse to not deal with my life at that time. So by drinking and when I was drunk and when I was doing drugs, I was forgetting about all the other important things that I had going on in my life that were too much for me to handle at that time. I would then use being hungover as my excuse to not having to get up and do anything or to get up, work on my physical health or to work on my mental health or to deal with my finances or to do anything that was sort of what I needed to do. And it become like a vicious cycle for me where I was, I was living on borrowed time. I would do drugs and I would drink to borrow happiness from the next day and to bring it there. And then the next day I'd get there and I'd be trying to do it again to borrow it from the next day. And I was always trying to play catch up. And it wasn't until I saw it. There's just a day that like it, it clicks where you look at it and you're like, what am I doing? And I stopped, I stopped being able to even enjoy a drink. And like every time I would have one, I was like, I'm literally ruining everything I have that's going on around me that's positive. I mean, I'd already ruined myself, but anyway, my relationship. I remember the last moment that I drank, it was in, it was December the 14th. And my partner, I knew my partner didn't like it when I drank because my track record wasn't great. I used to go off the rails and you wouldn't hear from me. Anyway, she's she let me go up to 
the coast for the weekend for a friend's birthday. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, so good of her. Like after everything that I've done, she's still giving me like the opportunity to go up to the coast for a friend's birthday drink. She wasn't like, she, she was so not naggy or needy about it. She was just like, enjoy yourself. And you know, I was like, well, I'm going to do the right thing tonight. Like I'm not going to get carried away. I'm going to have a few drinks and you know, like I'm going to respect that she's respecting me. <sighs> About four hours later, phone's dead. I was missing from the party. No one could find me. Everyone's trying to call, call, call. Couldn't find me. Hours had gone past. No one had seen or heard from me. Anyway, long story short, I ended up at some 60th birthday party where I knew no one. And I was standing at this table doing all speech, uh, talking to everyone and like that. And I remember Chloe's sister coming. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, just in a state. And that was when I ended up going back to Chloe's sister's house. I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, that right there is the last time I'm ever going to have a drink. Because if I can walk into that day and say that I'm going to do the right thing and I felt completely positive about everything that had gone on around me, there was nothing to set that off apart from what was obviously going on in my head. So after that, I decided that that is no longer going to be the person that I want to be seen as. Coming up after the break, how Mitch's partner, Chloe, provided guidance and light during his darkest moments. But first, a word from our sponsor. Talk to us about shame and about lying because what you did say in your video is that you did find yourself lying to so many of the people that you loved so much. What did that look like? So lying was more so about my drug use. So I would I'll go out and I would say if I had a few drinks or anything like that, I would always come home and like either it was whether it was my mom or Chloe to like, you know, have you been doing drugs? And I would lie black and blue. No, nope, no, nah, promise, no, nah, promise, no, nah, promise. It, yeah, it was just constant lying around when or what I was doing too. Like, you know, I'd always organize to go for dinner with someone. She'd be like, who are you going to dinner with? And it's like, oh, well, he's a mate. But it's like, you know well and truly that the reason I'm organizing that dinner is because I know we're going to drink at that dinner and that drinking's going to lead to the next thing. So everything that I did was calculated at the time. So it wasn't so much lying like, you know, I'm here, but I'm not there. It was more so like I was manipulating situations to get the the benefits that I knew that were going to come at the end of it. I would place myself, I was very calculated. I would place myself in situations where I knew that it would eventually lead to drinking and drug use. Mitch, I've got to say as well, sorry to interrupt, but it's so inspiring and commendable as well that you are so open and honest about this because I truly believe that you will you will, and you already have helped so many people. It's definitely something that Zara and I have talked about extensively like we're two women in our mid-20s and alcohol and drugs is something that so many people don't discuss and I think part of it not being discussed particularly around men might have to be tied into mental health can you take us to that time in your life and what your mental health was like were you deeply sad at this moment in your life it's funny you don't I didn't know I was deeply sad until I look back on it now at the time, I wasn't thinking every day, oh, my God, I feel so sad. Like, I feel really sad. But it was more so like I was overweight. I was mentally triggered by things. Like, I just I knew that I had so much potential that I wasn't fulfilling it, but I didn't want to do the steps to get me there. I was so caught up in this cycle that I knew I, I was comfortable in it. I knew that 
it was there and I could depend on it. Drinking and drugs isn't like people do it because it's comfortable and you re- you you rely you can rely on it. If you like, I knew that by drinking and getting on it that I would for that time that I was doing it, I would feel great. I would forget about the world and I'd everything would feel good. So when you know that you've got that thing to rely on and you actually feel comfortable with it. Like it's, it's very appealing. It's such a quick, easy fix. And then you just put up with the borrowed time the next few days of feeling shit, but then you just do it all over again. And it's just a vicious cycle that you get trapped in. Do you think that there's an entire generation of young men who might right now be struggling with the very things that you struggled with who have no idea how to talk about it? My inbox is full to the brim with people telling stories and I reply to so many people every day I spend hours of my day talking to just people about it like even last night I had a guy message me who was 40 years old with a wife and two kids and they no one knew that he was a drug user his family his wife didn't his kids didn't he just constant and he was using and he said that this video has opened me up and I wanted to tell someone about it and I just want you to know that I'm going to try and stop so I was like I feel like I've built this trust with my followers now that if I can talk so openly and be vulnerable about it, then people can be to me too. And at the start, I was overwhelmed because I don't, I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk to people about it in a way to give advice as such, because it's such a, a fine line between giving advice on mental health and giving the wrong advice. Like you just don't know where it will lead to, but I just decided that me being vulnerable and me also helping people, it helps me too. So by me talking about it and when I feel appreciated and when I feel like people are looking up to me because I'm doing it, it just keeps me that much more on track and that makes me realise how everything that I am doing is the right path and I, that's almost the strongest part for me. It sounds like this whole ordeal was really clarifying for you in that you've been really public and open about you and your partner, Chloe, taking a break last year. And it sounds like that was in part related to the alcohol and drug stuff. But you've also been open about losing friends. Can you talk to us about how your relationship with drugs and alcohol has like kind of redefined how you view friendship? Oh, it's pretty pretty basic, to be honest. My friends revolved around who used to use and who used to drink all the time and who whoever the person was that wanted to party all the time I'd hang around with them and then I'd I'd jump groups and I'd jump to whoever I knew was ready to to party at the time and that's basically what my friendships revolved around and if it wasn't that it was a friendship that's built on superficial purposes like I, I didn't understand friendship and connection I didn't understand you know like going for a walk with someone and talking to them about things that actually matter it just wasn't something that ever came natural to me but I guess I didn't know what I was missing out on until I did it. And now, like, you know, we don't have a really big friendship group. Our, me and Chloe's circle is incredibly small. But when we spend time with people, it's quality time. And, like, you can't put a price on that quality time, I don't think. As we record this, I think, and you'll be a much better um, indicator of this number than I, that I think you're passing over 150 days sober. Is that right? Yeah, I think, to be honest, I got a notification before about it because I, I, I track it on an app. It feels good when I do it. But, yeah, it's yeah, 165 yeah. days, five months and 13 days. Isn't that amazing? How do you feel when you see those numbers? It's always your first 40. is the Once you hit the 40, which is your first month, it's the best feeling. That was like once I hit that 40 days, I remember, because I hit that twice before I gave up now for good. So that 40 was amazing. Once I hit the 100, I was like, awesome. But then you don't really didn't really look at it until I got close to 150. And then once I hit that 150, now I probably won't 
track it until I hit the year again. And once I hit that year, then it will be just year milestones after that. You must be proud of yourself and the people around you must be really proud of you too. Yeah, like this is, I'm extremely proud of myself and everyone else is around me, but also I feel like it's the right thing. So it's like, should you be always just commended for doing the right thing? You know what I mean? Like it gets to a point where Chloe had to give me so much validation at the start to get me through it that now like, it's not just a talking point. It's not every time I like, you know, go out or leave the house or come home sober. It's like, oh my God, like good work. So good. Like it's it's like, it has to, there comes a time where it has to become normal again. So that's where Mm -hmm. I find like for Chloe and for family and stuff like that to make sure that it's not just purely around that all the time to them, that that's where I get my release through talking to my followers and to sharing stories and listening to other people. And that's sort of where I get my like, validation as such because you know we all need to be validated from time to time (laughs) of course (laughs) talk to us about finding passion and like love for new things I know that you have said in the past that you're finally enjoying life again and you've got new things that you enjoy talk to us about that what do you love about your life right now it's it's crazy like there was a there was a moment the other night I'm not sure if you saw it we uploaded a photo of the sunset above our bed and I was asleep we were having an afternoon nap and I saw through the crack of the window and I was like, oh my God, I think there's an awesome sunset. And I got up and I opened the curtains and I was standing and I was like, Chloe, get up and look at this. You're not going to believe this sunset. She got up she was looking and she was like, that's the first time you've ever appreciated nature or anything that's going on around you. And I just remember thinking like, it's because I'm not comparing things like that to the extreme anymore. Like my life was so extreme with like being always as I said, high, 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 everything was full go, full go, full go. And like, how are you meant to compare nice weather or a nice sunset or a nice beach walk or like a nice conversation with someone to something that's that extreme? It's never going to compare. So like, you can't actually enjoy the small things when the big things are so big that the small things just seem irrelevant. Can you talk to us about Chloe? She seems to be such a positive force in your life and someone that you very clearly love so dearly. What do you love about her and what do you love about your relationship together? It's what I love about it is like we both help each other grow. Like we're not like we're not perfect. Neither one of us are perfect, but like we encourage growth and we help each other grow. We don't just give up on each other for our flaws. I mean, we all have flaws and it's normal. It's a normal thing to have. It's just like we we always speak about being aware and having awareness around those flaws. And as long as you're aware of it and you can talk about it, then you can work on it. So for me, like Chloe was always aware of what I was doing, but she just knew that there was someone deeper within me that she loved and cared about. And she knew that they still existed, but she said, to be honest, like I can't help you unless you want to help yourself, which she said, like, that's, that's up to you too. You know what I mean? If that's the life and the path you want to choose, that's your decision. And like, I'm not going to hate you for it, but I just won't be here for it. You know what I mean? So our relationship is built like that. I mean, there's things like that. I, I To be honest, there's not much that you can really pull her up on. She's so, she's so incredible like that. She's such a positive and kind person, but I guess, you know, she has her days where she can be emotional and she can say things, but we're pretty pretty forgiving because I don't guess we've been through a fair bit between we've been together five years and we're very young and we've grown through it all and still come out at the end together so we just try use what we've learned now to help each other and yeah we just sort of protect each other in that way 
It's hard for young couples who meet as young as you and Chloe did because I think you, as you've said, young couples go through a lot and most young couples don't make it out the other side, but also most young couples don't really go through the same kinds of things that you two have and yet you seem stronger than ever and able to pull each other through it all like you've just said. Do you consider that what you have is pretty rare? I don't honestly know because I can't really compare it to anything. Like there's nothing I can compare it to, but... I do know that it's pure because I know that what the drinking and all that had around me mentally, the vice that it had on me, there wasn't much that could get me out of that. And she did. So I know that it has to be pretty pure for me to get away from what I did. And that would being like, you know, you, you hate to like, as much as I say, it's obviously for myself. I have to do it for myself. But like, she was definitely the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that encouraged me along the way. That's so lovely. Tell us about the decision to become parents. You are young, as you said, Chloe's 21, you're 23, and you are having a baby together. What appealed to you about being young parents? It's a decision that not many make, but you guys were really set in wanting to become young parents. Why was that? We've both wanted to be parents since we met. It was never, ever even talked about us not having kids. We always said, like, we will be young parents. We want to grow up and be young with our kids. We want, like... We obviously tried and Chloe had her miscarriage and it's a saying like you don't know what, like when something's taken away from you, you just want it even more. So after that, we were like, oh my gosh, like it was so devastating and we were like, we really wanted it, but we were like, it was pretty traumatic, especially for Chloe. Like I didn't understand how common miscarriages were. That for starters blew me away. But once we um, went through that, we, we actually caught up with two friends who had just had a baby. And we were like, well, we really want it. I know it's pretty soon after, but, you know, maybe we'll go home and we'll give it one go. And if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And let's just say my swimmers must be like Michael Phelps because it was all good. (laughs) (laughs) Can you talk to us, Mitch? I'm really interested. Like we hear a lot from women now, thank God, about miscarriage. It used to be such a taboo. And I think that taboo is finally being broken down by so many women who have been through it. But we probably don't hear as much about the male partners of women who miscarry. And I wonder, how did you cope throughout that time? What kind of role did you play in the relationship after that miscarriage? It was awful. It was absolutely awful. And when the nurse told us that one in four women miscarried, I could not fucking believe it because it's not something I'd even heard about. I had never heard before Chloe, someone talking to me about their miscarriage or something like that but it's not until she miscarried that people came out of the woods and were like oh I've had two I've had three I've had this and I was like oh, that alone is such a big factor to play in your life and to everything and like people just don't talk about it so I, I, I actually couldn't believe how many people had miscarried but for me like I was pretty much I was hurt just as much as Chloe like we went through it together and we were really like we were we like just let it all out. We for probably two days we just laid in bed together and cried it out, and then we were like, we just you know got to keep moving. And I think once again, like talking about it and being open about it helped. Like we didn't have to put on a brave face and just go back and pretend that nothing happened. Like you know we we spoke about it, and that's what I reckon essentially helped us both move forward. What is exciting you the most about becoming a dad? Honestly, like absolutely everything. I just can't wait to have someone else that I can just care for and be selfless for. Like I've always 
to a degree, been like pretty independent and caring about myself. Having a partner took me years to adapt to actually have to care for someone as well. Like I've always struggled with that. So then they reckon that having a child is just changes everything. So I can't wait to just be able to channel all of that into something that I've actually made. Like it's just blows me away, to be honest. Do you guys spend much time talking about like baby names? Have you guys agreed on what you want? We had the baby name a month in. We knew it. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. See, that's my biggest fear. Mitch, my partner, Mitch, and I have very, very different taste in baby names. And I know it's years off for us before we think about it. But holy shit, if I end up with a shit baby name because he's got bad taste, I'll be so (laughs) upset. I think you guys will love our baby name. Is it unique? What have you gone for? Have you gone for something that you like don't typically hear for? Have you gone for a classic name? Can we get any hints? Look at her trying to pull this out of you. It starts with A, which Ooh. I told our following, but it's a boy, obviously. It's a boy and it starts with A. And let's just say that I put a challenge out for people to guess it. There was over 6,000 comments and not one person got it. So <laughs> You're kidding. You could say, you could say it's unique. But it's not I can't stup- wait to hear it. It's not stupid unique. It's not like Applehead or something, you know what I mean? Like it's... <laughs> I can't wait to hear it. One question we kind of end our interviews by asking is we ask everyone what success means to them. And I'm interested, given everything you've just spoken about today, what does success mean to you? To me, success means fulfillment. If you can feel fulfilled, then you you are successful. You hear so many people with so much who, like even like I was listening to Tony Robbins talk about it the other day. He said, like he said, he's got like seven or so friends, you know, worth between 500 million to two and a half billion who were successful their whole life. And that, you know, they've sold their businesses, stuff like that. You know, they'll party holiday for three months, but they all end up going back into something similar or to the same work because it doesn't matter how much money you have or what you have around you. As long, if you're not being fulfilled and you're not still growing, you're never going to feel happy. So for me, success is as long as I'm always growing and I'm being fulfilled at the same time as I'm growing, then I think that to me is the epitome of success. I love that. Our final question for you, Mitch, is what is a mantra or rule for life? It can be a quote that you live by if you want, that you try to use every single day to guide you and the decisions that you make. Own the shit you hide or the shit you hide will own you. <laughs> That's amazing. Mitch, thank you so much for joining us. You are so generous with your insights and experiences. And I think ultimately a lot of young people will be better off for it. So thank you for the work you do online, but also for joining us here today. No worries. Thanks for having me. I just thought of one cheeky thing. If anyone is out there, I'm going to be launching a podcast very soon with my good friend Reese Hawkins. It's going to be called Two Open Books. So if you did enjoy listening to me speak and be lucky enough to be a guest on here at the Shameless Podcast, I would appreciate if anyone wants to jump along and uh, have a listen when we do launch. So thank you, guys. How exciting is that? We will put links to that as well in our show notes. Thank you so much. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this In Isolation episode of Shameless with Mitchell Orville. If you enjoyed this interview, we recommend you listen to some of our other In Conversation interviews that had a similar vibe. We can recommend Dylan Alcott, he was such a legend, and Steph Miller, knee Claire Smith. Zara, is it called knee? I don't even know. I'm not meant to be here for these kinds of outros. (laughs) We always pretend that we're not here when we read these out. Zara's right here. If anyone's going to come to me, I think it's knee Smith but maybe nay. It's nay. Nay Smith. 
What I'm going to say is I'll leave the links to both of those down below if you want to hear them. If you want to find more from Mitch, you can, of course, follow him on Instagram at Mitchell Orville. I'm glad to announce, as he did at the end of the episode, you'll also be able to hear his voice too on his very own podcast, which is due to launch this week. It's called Two Open Books. As for us, the best way to support Shameless Media is to share a screenshot of you listening or take a snap wherever you listen to our podcast and pop it up on your Instagram stories. That is a great way to get the word out and also encourage your friends and your family to listen too. We want to see you whether you're walking your dog, doing some baking or just procrastinating while you should be working from home. That is all from us, you guys. Thank you for the first six months of this year. We've had so much fun putting this podcast out for you in 2020 so far. We are now on break for the next three weeks. We'll be back in your ears on Monday, the 29th of June. We love you. Thank you and have a great end to your week. Bye. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.